Hi, and welcome to Carrying Into the Void. I'm Jordan Shively. And I'm Brock Wilbur. And this is our podcast about looking into some of the darker corners of life or fiction or legend and seeing if there's something, some way we can harness them, something we can take from it and use it to better ourselves. Um, Brock, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, I'm a writer and comedian. I've lived in LA for 10 years and I just moved with my wife to Kansas City. Uh, we are having a fun, weird time here, uh, trying to change the world. And, uh, in the process, I'm also tracking a cult and writing a book about a stupid fucking video game from the nineties about gun violence called Postal, uh, that is somehow back in vogue now, uh, cause the president is trying to blame gun violence on, on video games. Jordan, what do you do? <laughs> um, I'm a writer and I'm the co-publisher at Uncivilized Books. We publish independent comics and also the day job is I'm a chef. So a couple jobs, graphic design as well, but that doesn't really matter. Jordan's job drives me goddamn insane because you you make these incredibly beautiful tacos and you paste these pictures of them. And I I keep wanting to text you like bring one home from work as as if we live together or something. It's 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 torture and I can't wait to come visit you and, and eat the things that you make. I mean, you know that the chefs don't actually eat the food they make, right? Like I come home and oh, I, have, I know I have you like, don't get it. I just think I deserve it. <laughs> I come home and I have like some old crackers or some like mustard or something. Oh, the old mustard and crackers. Oh, that, that old Christ. classic. Uh, so yeah, we have a, we have a show here where we look at uh, big weirdo things and, and, and find the, the light and the darkness here. Jordan, what do you have for us this week? So this week I thought I'd talk about something called the Brock inspector. Um, no, what is that? It's also in Ger- it comes from the German, which was Brocken Geskenspitz, which is probably not at all how you pronounce that. It's also <laughs> called the Brocken Bow. And I mean, it's also called the Mountain Spectre. And it's just how fucking cool is it that it's called the Brocken Spectre? It's um, really fucking cool. <laughs> it's a little it's more of a natural phenomena that has spawned a bunch of supernatural legends and stuff. But it is it apparently it's an enormous and magnified shadow of an observer that is cast onto the surface of clouds opposite the sun. And the head of the figure is many times like surrounded by a glowing halo of rings. They call it the ring of glory. And these the rings, head of the figure, the head of the, the head of the shadow has like a halo around it. Sometimes like of like spiked light and it's the rings of color always appear directly opposite the sun where the sunlight meets the cloud. So this thing is because it's being cast from behind the viewer onto like a misty mountainside or cloud bank. So, and it is even when seen from an airplane, you can see this, but the frequent fogs and low altitude accessibility of like the Brocken, which is a peak in the Harz Mountains in Germany, which is where it gets its <laughs> name from. That's where the local legend has come from because the mist there is very conducive to this. Um, the Brock Inspector was also observed and recorded as early as 1780 by Johannes Sillenschblog. Um, I'm going to have a lot of bad German pronunciation in this episode. <laughs> but he wrote he wrote the very like easily accessible book of Geonetics or the Explanation of the Mosaic Creation According to the Physical and Mathematical Foundations. Now, you, you, you grew up in Mexico, right? Not in Germany. Yeah. And he also, <laughs> this guy who recorded this, for the, I think one of the first times it was recorded, like set down as like a scientific thing also has a lunar crater named after him, which is oh pretty cool. God. 
Um, so the specter, as I was saying, appears when the sun shines from behind the observer who is looking down from a ridge or a peak into mist or fog. The light projects their shadow through the mist, often in a triangular shape due to the perspective. So it like goes out into this huge giant in front of you. And the, the magnification of the shadow is like an optical illusion because your shadow and the light is being seen through all the different droplets of water in the air, but at different like um, closeness to you. So you it's you cannot tell where it's coming from, and it just appears like this huge ghost of yourself in the mist with a with a shining halo around its head. The, <laughs> the ghost can appear to move sometimes, like jumping around, because the cloud layers and the density, like you'll see it jumping forward and backwards, almost like different layers in Photoshop, which is like my weird designer way of describing that. But um, like the foreground and front ground in like a camera or a movie, like it keeps jumping around, almost like it's like flickering in and out of reality. And, and <laughs> this is said to be linked to the appearances of like the legendary Amphir Liath Moore or the big gray man, also known as the big gray man of Ben Macdui or simply gray man, <laughs> which is a creature that is said to haunt the summits of Ben Macdui, the highest peak of the Kerganorms, the second highest peak in Scotland. So this specter has cast its shadowy influence over not only that gray man, but many other stories and experiences that have both been recorded scientifically and in fiction and literature. And the, it's the fiction and literature parts that lead me into my carrying into the void part of this story. <laughs> so the Brock Inspector appears all throughout literature and film. But one instance that really struck me was Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, Constancy to an Ideal Object which concludes with an image of the Brock Inspector in the following lines. Art thou nothing such as thou art, as when the woodman, winding westward upon the glen, at wintry dawn, where o'er the sheep tracks maze, the viewless snow mist weaves a glistening haze, sees full before him gliding without tread, an image with glory round its head. The enamored rustic worships its fair hues, nor knows he makes the shadow he pursues. That line, he makes the shadow he pursues. He makes the shadow he pursues. That line really struck me and made me think, how much of our lives do we spend stumbling through the fog of our own self-perception? The image of what we think is who we need to be is really just a haunting labyrinth of other people's perceptions and expectations, catching our shadowed movements and projecting this false image of glory around its head that we think we need to be, that we need to be able to somehow catch up to this very much larger than life projection of our perceived self and measure up to it. And the more we chase it, the more it flits away, dissolving into the mists and shadows, leaving us alone with just half remembered glimpses. And I doubt that we ever really knew we were aiming for in the first place. Instead, we need to turn our backs on these false phantasms of societal expectations we need to climb up above the mist and all that clouds our view until we stand in the clear air of self-acknowledgement with nothing behind us to cast our very own Brock inspectors of the mind. And from that vantage, we can maybe finally begin to chart our own paths, secure in the knowledge that the shadows that we now see are really just that. So that was my moment from that story. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was also my lamp falling over. 
So that, that'll be great. You, you really punctuated the moment in, yeah. in spectacular fashion. That quiet moment and crash. I'm always so happy to be doing this podcast with you. You're, you're so good at this. <laughs> so uh, mine this week is to talk about the Winchester Mystery House. Oh, good one. The good one. Uh, and right before we left California, my wife finally took me there. It's always been a thing that I wanted to go see. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Sarah Winchester... Uh, married the guy that invented the Winchester repeating arms rifle, uh, which was basically the first semi-automatic weapon, and we used it to kill just a fuck ton of people over the years. Uh, and uh, after she married him, her husband got like tuberculosis, but maybe something else, and he died, and then their baby died, and like uh, she was in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, and she went to see a medium, and the medium said. Uh, the reason that all this stuff is happening is that you are played by the ghosts of everyone that's ever been killed by a Winchester repeating rifle. Uh, and that thing fucked me up because uh, 2016 was like a year I lost because I realized that like some of my friends stopped being my friends because they were like, uh, I, I think you've been a bad person in the past. And I was like, okay. And I looked at myself and I figured out through doctors and medication things that were wrong with me and that I, I was bipolar and I'd lost time and done shit that I, I do not like. Uh, and, uh, weirdly I lost more friends trying to take responsibility for the mistakes of my past than if I just plowed ahead as some, uh, drunk drugged up asshole. Uh, so, uh, Sarah Winchester, I get where she was when somebody said you, uh, carry with you the sins of a thing that you, profit from, but you don't necessarily remember or have any direct involvement in. Uh, and so uh, what this medium told her was that uh, in order to keep the spirits and these ghosts from killing you, what you need to do is move as far west as you possibly can and then build a house and then never stop building the house uh, because uh, as long as you can confuse the ghosts, they'll never be able to get to you. So in 1884, she moves to San Jose, California and she buys this unfinished farmhouse, uh, and without an architect or anything, she hires uh, somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 construction workers, and from 1884 till her death in 1922, they never stop building rooms onto this house, and there's no plan for it, but there's also like a, a an overriding idea here, like, you have to confuse anyone that would come into this house. There can be no no clear paths through this. So it becomes a seven-story house that has stairs that go to nowhere. There's doors that go to a wall or that just go uh, off the seventh floor uh, that you just walk out like a Looney Tunes character and die. Or there's windows that are supposed to go to the outside or they used to go to the outside, but now they just like look over a room. Uh, it's an out-of-control, insane place built for this woman who had uh, what was basically uh, like uh, a little over $500 million, if you adjust for inflation now, uh, just infinity money. Uh, and uh, we went to do the tour of this place. And the first thing is that uh, Sarah Winchester is about five feet tall. So the house was built for her. So uh, all the stairs, instead of being normal stair size, are about like three inches per stair. And the ceilings are built for a five-foot person. I'm a six-seven man, so uh, it was a hot, miserable time for me. That my wife kept being like, "I thought this was going to be more fun." You seem miserable. I'm like, "No, no, no, it's okay." Uh, 
it's a, it's this incredible thing that she built and uh people kind of laugh at her for it and uh when i say kind of i mean they really do and the worst part of it was we we went to the winchester mystery house like around uh, first of all we couldn't take pictures there cuz there's a helen mirren movie about this that just came out that has a rockin 14% on rotten tomatoes uh and the producers uh Put a, put a law into effect that you can't take pictures of this place because it infringes on the copyright of their movie because they shot in the actual house. What? Which, it's cool that they shot in the house, but they also, I couldn't take any pictures in there in a historical landmark because Hollywood has a movie with Helen Mirren uh, coming out about it. And I was like, Was there anyone watching you to make sure you didn't do this? Yes, our tour guide uh, was was. Oh fuck! I would have just been like, yeah, I, yeah, I would have too. You can't just call dibs on an entire historical monument. Yeah, and it, when do those dibs end? Uh, when this fourteen percent Rotten Tomatoes movie leaves theaters, I don't know. Uh, so we were also there. It was it was like end of October, and at night they were doing. The spooky ghost tour of the house. And so they had all these props that were set up and we were there in the daytime that like (laughs) just like had haunted old lady skeletons in the corner of rooms or like bats hanging from things. And I was like, this is such a shitty way to remember this woman, uh, because there's also so much about her story that is like your worst version of this is that she tried to connect uh, via seance every night to her dead husband at 3 a.m. and that she thought the ghosts were here. But at the same time, she employed like dozens of people and let them live with her and was also one of the first people to like uh, build like slaves quarters and then like uh, or, uh, like make them into like real homes to make sure that everyone that worked for her like lived in a nice way. Uh, and then she like she paid everyone that worked under her like basically triple or quadruple what the actual salary for that ro- job was at that time. Like she's she was this incredible employer who took care of everyone under her, who who cared about everyone under her uh, and in the process built uh, the basically the only American version of a pyramid. Small caveat for the podcast, though. We are not saying that we think just because she paid them and built quarters that the slavery was okay. Oh, uh, it actually, it, it, it was, beyond, it was, uh, sorry, I, I misspoke on that. Slavery was done. It was just house workers and stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, yes, yeah, like- sorry. My bad. Slavery was done. She paid everyone that worked under her and made sure that they had like heat and toilets, which was like unheard of at the time. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't, I don't, I don't have that at my job. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so there's, there's all this stuff about it. And I walked through the whole house and I was like, I, I'll be goddamned if I don't think my theory was that she would just was a rich person who was like, I want to build like a really funny thing that will just confuse people for years. That was, that was all I took from it. But, uh, it is, I mean, why wouldn't you though? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just build the biggest, weirdest thing? Like, Oh, I think a witch, a witch told me that I have to move from the East coast to California. Yeah, I I agree. That's why I did it too. Uh, but the way that I look at it now is also one of those things of like uh, building protections for yourself isn't the wrong idea, and to constantly be building something that that expands outward and can confuse others. So my carrying into the void here is that uh, the world is always trying to get in. 
both sun and shadow are equal forms of invasion, and we find ourselves at the core of our being. Build a labyrinth, dear listener. Construct walls of clear disruption. Build stairs that lead to self-awareness. Construct a false front that deters and confounds all foes. And from the center of your infinite mental dungeon, choose the life that you want for yourself. And let those choices flow outward, veins toward the awakening, forever pushing back, reclaiming all that you should have claimed long ago, and forging yourself as not only an entity of an eternal, beautiful dark power, but also as a homeowner not thwarted by avocado toast. So that's my carrying into the void. <laughs> that's a good story. I I think I feel like we were we were both racing towards the Winchester house. <laughs> and, and you got there first. <laughs> I, I actually I, I did think I should text Jordan just to make sure that's not what he has tonight. Uh I'm doing Winchester House too, dude. <laughs> that's that's the stupidest problem we could ever possibly have. It's like, is that a double rainbow where it's like double Winchester house? <laughs> double Winchester house is our, Somebody is our, our second shirt. <laughs> double Winchester house. All right. I have to make that shirt. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, cool. Did you have any self care? Uh, I, my self care for the, my self care for the week is that I went to a, a, a group therapy session uh, and uh, it went fucking terribly. Like I, <laughs> It, no one got anything out of it, uh, and I was, I was as I was leaving. Uh, amongst all the terrible things that I have had to deal with this year, uh, I also found out I have diabetes, uh, and so uh, every once in a while, my my toes start to tingle, and it's a reminder that I need to go outside and have a walk. And this week, I became genuinely thankful for that, uh, and as a self-care thing, I appreciate that it's there now because I used to do a thing where for twelve hours a day I would stare at the screen, not move from the couch and just plow through the shit that I make and write. Uh, and now like every hour or two, I have a reminder from my body uh, that it is a failing me, but B that I need to go get some sunshine and see a bird uh, and, and watch a neighbor yell at their kid. Uh, and it has made my life so much better to have that thing there. And I just, uh, the self care for the week is just, Go for little walks. Uh, look, get away from a screen. Go, go look at a sunshine. It's, it's worth it. What's your self care for the week? Um, I've started trying to take some steps to better my health and my diet. Like more about nice, and not so much because I'm trying to like pursue any kind of like aesthetical physical goal. But I'm just trying right. to add more ritualized structure into those aspects of my life and decrease the chaos. So I've been like regimenting my meals in like what bowls I use them in, which might sound like I'm going more into like a craziness on it, but it's more about like, I don't have to worry about those kind of things as much anymore. Cause before I would just like work all day and forget and then eat like a huge meal at midnight, which is apparently uh -huh. not the best thing to do for your health <laughs> and oh my God. seems to lead to like all night <laughs> heartburn attacks. So I've decided to like, take some steps to prevent these things before they become all encompassing problems. Okay. And it has the benefit effect of giving me some ritual to my day and some things that I do the same way every day that I have to get up to do them, you know, number one. So that's my self care, adding some ritualized steps to my meals. Really like that. And, and in general, I think uh, one of the thrusts of this show is, 
binding structure and uh, and the improvement that that makes in our lives. <laughs> um, did you have anything you wanted to plug this week? Uh, just I'm I'm at Brock Wilbur on Twitter. What about you? I'm doing the same thing. Just been writing a lot on Twitter and on my Patreon. So I'm at Hottest Singles on Twitter, and you can pretty much find all the different things I'm doing there from t-shirts to role-playing games etc um so i think that's it for the week i'm jordan shively i'm brock wilbur and we're here reminding you to keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth innumerable and sharp thank you thank you guys for listening please rate and review and share with a friend we really appreciate you being here and please come back next week yeah itunes is an abyss help us not get lost in it thanks guys bye bye (laughs) 